Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. Listeners, a Greek chorus of jump rope girls appeared outside my home this morning. They've stalked me throughout the day, rhythmically chanting omens of my past, present, and future, never missing their jump, always chanting, always following. My only means of escape is by water. As long as they haven't discovered, my old man drives a submarine. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside CM Alexander. Hello, everyone. And Benjamin Graham. Hey, hey, constant readers. And today we are back with our Patreon selection from Jason Keene. We are reading 11.22.63, and this time we are covering through chapter 26 with CM leading our discussion. CM, take it away. Thanks, Josh. Last episode, we left Jake having been dumped by Sadie and seeing his two lives, the one that makes him happy in Jody, his George Amberson life. And the Jake Epping on a mission life in Dallas begin to draw closer together in a way that is requiring him to make a choice between them. And Jake really wants to have his pound cake and eat his pound cake too. And that's what this episode is all about. Ben, last episode, you said that this becomes a romance book. And I feel that so strongly in this section because of how our plot A and plot B begin to merge. Mm -hmm. And Primarily how invested I am in this relationship working. <laughs> Begin to merge in a way I had completely forgot happened. Yeah. yeah. That actively like surprised me on a second read of nice. the book. I was like, <laughs> I, I can't believe this is the direction that the book is going. It's because it seems like it won't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it. It tricks you, even though you know better. It's one of the things I like about this book. Yeah, because uh, when, spoiler alert, this this breakup is kind of short-lived. Granted, there are time there's jumps. Months in between. There, yeah. There's big time jumps that I did not pay attention feel, to at all. It'll so. feel long as you're reading it. Yeah. That's what I hear the complaint being. <laughs> but but it, it, it's not as permanent as it seemed yeah. in the, the end yeah. of the last section. Yeah. I, I was At the start, I was annoyed that I'm like, well, what was the point of the breakup? This this is just gonna restart the cycle oh, and then <laughs> yeah and and the fact that the issue actually gets resolved and their relationship moves on in a really interesting way i appreciate it oh i can tell ben by your excitement this is gonna be a longer episode than i anticipated <laughs> <laughs> let's dive into it because we have a lot of really great things to discuss we meet back up with jake and ellen doherty's office and we find out that she's I don't want to say responsible for his breakup with Sadie, but she is more involved in what happened than we realize. It's on one hand, it's like she is a doing a lot of busybody things because she's so heavily involved. But anytime they talk to her about it, you know that it it is her heart being in the right place and looking out. I, that's what she's got to do. I never saw Ellen as a busybody because we are given a busybody character. <laughs> True. That makes this, yeah, pale in comparison. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, I was wondering here if you feel any differently about the Rolling Stones song being the last straw now that we know that it's really the things that she was finding out from Ellen that I think catapulted their relationship closer to that ultimatum. I I feel like it gives her behavior slightly more clarity. Yes, it absolutely colors it a little bit more because it's the same thing of 
hearing people complain about a bad habit of like your significant other, you usually ignore it. Like yeah. something you're used to, you just stop seeing. And then you like them say chewing with their mouth open or something. Mm-hmm. And you just mm-hmm. stop seeing it. And then somebody's pointed it out. And now it's the only thing you can see. <sighs> and so now she's been so hyper focused on it that, yeah, it makes sense that she'd blow yeah. up about a honky tonk woman. I feel really bad because I just realized what I've done in the first five minutes of our episode that I think makes me a little bit of an asshole. What's that? <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed this. I basically confronted you both about the problems you had with the book and made you say you were wrong. Because <laughs> it's one of my favorite books. <laughs> I, that was, first of all, it was a devious plot. And it I'm, was unintentional. And I'm proud of you. <laughs> But I mean, I I don't have a problem admitting when no, I'm wrong. No, I know. For sure. I just I oh, just realized very funny the how thing that we've talked out. about yeah. is yeah. And I'm going to decide to double down. Now <laughs> I hate this book. No, of course. No, it's it is one of the problems with doing a show like this and separating a book up into parts. When you know, yeah, you make a stance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't like this part, and then more information yeah. is gained and you're like oh okay well ends up this author wrote this in with a reason a, and yeah. then it turns out that yeah this author wrote a book uh, on purpose <laughs> <laughs> weird <laughs> oh my, I, we're gonna get to it later but man there was a moment that for the second time this is my second read through of this book I had to eat the exact same shit because of a hard stance I took while reading it <laughs> and then was confronted with that very same thing Okay, it's now late May, and Jake is renting the overpriced shack on Mercedes Street. It's a sad scene after Jody, and we jump to the last day of school with Jake cleaning out his classroom because he's not going to be back since he's moving to Dallas to, quote, work on his book. You know, it's a nice cover story. And we have some foreshadowing here as he thinks about how he has enough money to live on through next April, and it was really stupid to place that bet at Faith Financial. He's about to leave when he spots an envelope with his name on it. This is such a sad note, but also I get it. Mm -hmm. It's a note from Sadie that says, thank you for showing me how good things can be. Please don't say goodbye. Jake, George can't help himself and runs to the library, but Sadie's a step ahead and is already closed up and gone. I was kind of happy he went. Yeah, that's hard. Like she really the way she asked, I feel like you have to respect. But I don't know. I'm glad he went. I I. I, Yeah, that's. I don't know what he would have done if she would have been there, He would have kissed her, and it would have been so romantic, (laughs) and they would have made up. Okay, anyway, sorry. And then we have another really touching goodbye immediately after this. Yeah, I didn't think that Mike Coslaw and uh, Bobby Joe would be as consistent throughout the years. Yeah, because they're just like kids. Right, when you meet them for the first time, it's just small. You think they're just part of a small vignette and then they move on and move out of the story, Mm -hmm. but it's not the case. They waited because they wanted to give him a pen engraved with his GA initials to help him finish his book. Yeah, it's very sweet. And it was nice after his failed goodbye with Sadie. I was like, okay, good. Thanks. Send us off on something (laughs) sweet. We get a few pages summarizing what Jake's life on Mercedes Street is like, and it's so bleak. And he thinks all the time about spilling everything to Sadie and convinces himself to leave her out of it each time. He thinks that maybe someday they can be together again, but not while he's in this stuff, this JFK stuff. It's too dangerous. 
What's interesting, though, is that his idea for them to come together again is actually thought of here, and it's what he does eventually use to share the truth with Sadie, and it's this point saying that he knows there's a football game that's going to end in double overtime, and like, I could just tell her this thing. No, that's stupid. Fast forward. <laughs> well, that's it. all he knows about. <laughs> right. I, this is something this and this is jumping way ahead. Is that enough? If someone came up to you and said, I, I, I'm from the future and I can prove it. I don't think I know enough about sports. I was going to say that would be my problem. They could, it could be really compelling. And I'd be like, oh yeah, it's sports. <laughs> yeah. It's a congratulations. You, you guessed really well. I don't have the context of why this boxer winning is completely improbable. Uh, but it was other stuff too. He, they don't make a big deal out of it. So I think it's easy mm. to miss, but there was the helicopter thing with the guy from the twilight zone, the actor and the kids right. who died. And there was some other but stuff. But that's well after yeah, she's that's already true. fully bought I, in. I think there were a few other minor things like yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah, we'll get there. But no, I if it was just the sports thing, it'd be like, yeah, don't people do what you just did all the time? I would, <laughs> I would just downplay it so hard. Yeah. Yeah. It, double overtime is a pretty rare occurrence. I, I guess. So still, but it, the it's not specific, rare to me, so I'm not impressed. specific score. <laughs> I would be like, hey, you know someone on the inside, the, the game is rigged, I'm going to beat you half to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. nobody would yeah. do that. Anyway, oh, okay. we are now... It's <laughs> me then. <laughs> <laughs> we are now at June 14th. Today is an important day for Jake's work because this is a day Lena's family fly into Dallas and Jake is going to the airport to see them arrive. What did you guys think of this scene? I didn't like the addition of seeing Sadie get on her flight at the same airport. That was <laughs> kind of a slap in the face after having to watch Lee and Marina. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of an interesting like bit of it's the past. It's like it's a gambit from the past mm -hmm. being like, hmm, I bet I could fuck up this guy's entire plan by making him run after his girl in the airport. Mm -hmm. It's kind of neat. Which is something he wonders about later. Yeah. Um, we discussed last episode whether or not Sadie's a trap. I yeah. mean. <laughs> Just, the, the stuff with the, the Oswalds, though, is it makes you hate Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. Which, I mean, <laughs> <I've>... <laughs> the, not much of a, of a feat. It's... He's really aggressive and abusive in a cruel way because it's surprising. Mm. It comes out of nowhere sometimes. But he's also such a cowardly piece of shit, too, mm. that it makes you hate him in that like special way where you loathe somebody and hate them. Yeah. Not yeah. not like Norman Daniels from Rose Matter. Like you hate him, but he is scary and dangerous. Lee's pitiful in a lot of ways, too. Yeah. It, you hate him in a similar way that you hate Percy Wetmore. Yeah. Because Percy Wetmore, you hate because you know that his life is going to be easy and successful. Whereas Lee, with this perspective we have, we know this fucking wiener is going <laughs> to change history. Yeah. There's going to be uh, papers and books and things. This guy's going to be legendary. This fucking yeah. guy. And in these two examples, it's, and Jake even thinks this later about Lee, he doesn't hate him. It's mm. a waste. A waste of a life. Yeah. It's it's interesting because uh, as terrible as he is and how particularly, like you said, CM, cruel 
his kind of abuses, the the thing about him not wanting Mar- uh, Marina to learn English yeah. so he can completely yeah. isolate her from everyone in the world is so just fucking abysmal. Mm-hmm. But the little flashes of like humanization that are thrown in amongst it make it, uh, it, it makes it very interesting to read about this historical monster who he makes a real kind of rounded person. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the bathtub. Yeah. 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 The bathtub scene. I forgot how touching that scene was because there's, it's just a window into what would be a normal family mm-hmm. having a fun, normal interaction and everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. And that's how it should be. Right. And just pisses you off when people refuse to let it be that. Mm-hmm. Jake is depressed. He's laying in bed arguing with himself into what he has to do with Al's voice, which I think is it's a nice touch because we haven't really heard or thought about Al in a while. And, and this is where he's having these internal debates. It's always in Al's voice that's arguing. He doesn't want to have to watch Lee be a shitbag and be depressed about it. And Al reminds him what he needs to get out of this spying, this information while they're in Mercedes Street is information about George DeMoran Shield. And real quick, George is a petroleum geologist who speculates in oil leases. He's a Russian exile like Marina, but he came from a noble family. He was a baron. He's a bored rich guy, basically. Yeah. And Jake needs to confirm whether or not George had anything to do with the attempt that Lee will make on General Walker's life. And if he finds that George was involved, it gives some of those conspiracy theories, you know, that Aldswald didn't act alone, credibility. And if he wasn't involved, Jake, you know, per Al's notes as well, they feel like they can take care of Lee well before 112263. This character, there's a scene featuring this character later on that drives me insane. But I have to <laughs> uh, hold it in. Okay. <laughs> I want to jump directly awesome. to So he has everything set up to spy on them inside the home and he has some binoculars it is July 4th, and Jake is going to do something that surprised me, and I, I think it surprised you guys since we kind of opened with this. He makes a phone call. He calls uh, Ellie Doherty and asks for Sadie's contact info mm-hmm. because he's ready to call and eat shit. Thanks. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was sad, Ellen's reaction to him. It makes sense from her mm. perspective, mm-hmm. but she... She said Sadie felt like he was overreacting about John Clayton, and she feels the same. And we'll see her progressively get less patient with Jake when he asks about it. But for right now, she's mildly irritated, but she's going to invite him to come to Al's for dinner so he can catch up with her and Deke. Would one of you like to take us through this dinner? Um, it's uh, for at first, I wasn't sure what it was going to be. You know, mm, because like the purpose, yeah. right? Like it's it was this just going to be a just catching up? Like how I wasn't sure where we were progressing from here, mm-hmm. but then uh, turns out that Ellie got a copy of the yearbook from Sadie's school, so they finally have a picture of John Clayton. Yeah, and she says like basically as a way to say I've taken it seriously. We've we know what he looks like now. We can relax a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, but the really surprising part was the uh, fact that the coach wanted to see him afterwards, uh, which we didn't really talk about him and the coach's relationship all that much, only that it's kind of a little combative because of the crossover between drama and football. Yeah. Uh, But the coach has always been kind of nice. Yeah. Several times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So Jake agrees after dinner to go down and see Coach Borman. And while he's waiting for Coach to wrap up football practice, he sees a guy nearby. And he's wearing a loud sport coat and he has earphones on and he's carrying what looks like a salad bowl. And it's not John Clayton because I was like, <laughs> what is he doing? We find out who he is from coach just a minute later, yeah. which is going to play into Jake's spying situation, yeah. oddly enough. Some guy from the radio. It's such a weird non sequitur. <laughs> That's why I thought are, it was John Clayton. Yeah, there are a few moments that are a little deus ex machina for me. <laughs> there, there. This is one of them where it's just like something irrelevant is happening and then he just happens to see something that he's like, ah, I can use this for the plot. <laughs> <laughs> well, the past throws him a bone sometimes, I guess. That's how the phrase goes. <laughs> It's a tech guy and he's got an omnidirectional microphone. And so Jake later is going to visit Silent Mike and ask him if he knows what that is. And he's like, once again, you've come to the right place. And in that moment, I was like, Silent Mike's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Can, I do want to touch base, though, that about why Coach Oh, yeah. I totally to skipped to over him, that because I got because lost Because it's, it's really him. nice. He yeah. wants to thank him for the conversation he had with the boys at the Sadie Hawkins dance because that made Jim Ledoux swear off drinking mm-hmm. and now he's getting a scholarship and he's going to, you know, have all the success. And then we find out that Vince was in fact drunk when he rolled his car, which is something we talked about last episode with the past correcting mm-hmm. itself. And it was, so it was nice. That was a, a nice way to close that loop yeah, on a positive note. So Jake having Sadie's address in Reno from Ellie sends her a letter and he tells her he misses her and he's sorry for the way he left things. He has a job to do. Please don't forget him. And he tells her he loves her and he writes his number down. Jake's jealousy is bananas. It is so over the top. What? Like, the the fact that he's like, yeah, she's in Reno. Cocktail witch. She's probably got like all of her legs out all the time. <laughs> probably fucking all these dudes. All the like she was she was almost scared to have sex with you. I know, but like, then but then like he probably feels like he opened up her world to sex and she's more comfortable. I get it, Jake. That- <laughs> <laughs> Jake decides to do some homework. He gets out three photos that I'll put in the journal. So the first is a picture of George DeMoran Shield. And this is where we get a reference to him later acting like a lunatic and ripping his shirt open on the porch, <laughs> which we get to see. That moment's so great. (laughs) The second is a picture of the shooter's nest at the book depository where Lee will take the shot. The third is of Lee holding the mail order rifle that he'll use to do it. And so in this section too, Jake, he ends up visiting the apartment building in West Neely that the Oswalds would live in as well. And he plans to be their downstairs neighbor when they do that. This was kind of at the point in the book for me that I realized Jake's plan is way more elaborate than I had Like, I hadn't caught on to that Mm -hmm. just because of the way it's all playing out because he seems like he's a passenger to these events because he doesn't belong in this time. Mm -hmm. And he's like this passenger trying to grab the steering wheel. It's like we have ignored the prep in favor of Jody. Yeah. It is. He's been setting up so much more than we've had any idea because he doesn't want to talk about that what's important to him is what's happening here it's yeah i have to drive in on the weekends and i'm making these appointments and buying Mm. spy gear and Mm -hmm. all this stuff but what i really want to talk about is the 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 jamboree the play the 
yeah, all that stuff. It just shows you where his heart's at right here. Yeah. On August 3rd, Lee and Robert Oswald arrive at the house to rent it. And it's a what you would expect and kind of summarizes a lot about the Oswald's life. Mm. It's a shithole in the landlord is a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) I like that the conversation that Lee and his brother have about their family is very much normal family drama bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much of these moments that we're about to see when he's spying on him are either about Lee being abusive or Lee being just some fucking guy. Yeah. I also liked here that when the shitty landlord blames some of the damage on the previous tenants, Jake is like, hey, that's <laughs> Ivy. <laughs> I, do, yeah. I, I do have a note about the audiobook. Uh-huh. The, <laughs> yep. His voice for Marina is a 45-year-old Russian man. <laughs> like, Marina's voice is so deep and manly, it makes me laugh every time she speaks. Okay, my problem is with his Sadie, and I hate I hate to say this. It is purely me, listeners. The guy's doing great. The audiobook is fantastic. Every time he talks in Sadie's voice to Jake, and he's sweet, and he's like, oh, hon, pound my cake. Just, <laughs> it is so awkward for me. I, I prefer reading this. <laughs> uh, my least favorite character is anyone with a southern accent. Oh, we also get really interesting insight here into Lee's abuse, I'm going to call it, from Mm -hmm. his mother. Talking to, like, how do I, this is going to sound weird, I don't know what you'd call this, but like while Lee and Marina are making love, she's like hollering at them from the other room about what they're doing. We find out he slept in her bed until he was 11 and that she would regularly check his genitals for hair. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. I. It's very um, Mr. Mercedes. I was going to say, I don't want to look up how much of that is a king invention. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good call. Uh, Yeah. The Oswalds move in on August 10th, and a few days later on Monday, Marguerite Oswald finds them because Lee made it very clear (laughs) to Robert, mom doesn't know where I'm at. It's fucking great because she shows up. She shows up with props. Yeah, She's got a high chair. She's got toys. Toys that are way too old for the baby to play with. Mm -hmm. And just bursts in and makes herself at home. I hate this character so much. I hate this. The the whole trope. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) He does this trope so well. Yeah. It It, sucks. uh, It sucks to read about. I love how much I hate it. (laughs) It's... Uh, yeah, it, because it just makes you furious to see it happen in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then it makes you double furious when as soon as she leaves, yeah, his he reaction. takes all the abuse out on Marina because yeah. he can't hit his mom. Yeah, so J- he's going to yeah, hit Marina. The, that Jake says, yeah. he hitting his wife because he can't hit his mother. It's so, like, it's so pathetic. And Again, this little wiener is going to change <laughs> history. Like yeah. That's that indignation. It's not even a few days later that Jake witnesses another argument. This one, Marguerite is right there involved in it. And it's once again, she barges in, bringing stuff, is overbearing. And I loved, though, about this, the way that Jake describes how baby June reacts to her when she suddenly, yeah. like, lunges across the room at her like she's going to attack her. <laughs> and she's, you know, she that's her way of being grandmotherly, just over-the-top aggressive affection. Yeah. And June is just like screeching in terror and Marina's 
looking on nervously and Lee's got his fists balled and it's like, wow, lady, you are a force of nature in the worst way. Yeah. <laughs> the line that really painted Marguerite for me, it was uh, referring to her smile as a smile only if you're generous. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, that's, oh, all right. The next spy session we get from Jake is where we learn about and then meet Peter Gregory, who is the first link in the chain to Demoran Shield. He teaches Russian. He does a bunch of other things, but Lee tries to get a job with him. And this just tells you more about Lee. But Peter is more interested in Marina and gives her a job tutoring his son in Russian. And it turns out his son is Paul. He is Marina's age and not too bad to look at. <laughs> and she gives him lessons on the front porch, which is... True, she does, but it, giving him lessons on the front porch, like that's a euphemism for something, right? Like that's, <laughs> that, if I urban dictionary that, is that a move? I assume <laughs> it was giving him lessons on the front porch so Lee does not have reason to believe no. that yeah. they are yeah. in the house. It just, it sounds hot. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake notices the chemistry between them too. Later, Peter Gregory brings some more members of the local Russian community over, and we see Marina get to be herself for an evening. And we find out she's charming, and she, you know, ends up becoming the darling of this community. And Oswald is, for somebody who loves Russia so much, he is now surrounded by a Russian community. All he can do is talk shit about how they gave up on Russia. Like how, he's so what, what is your what is he trying to accomplish with the conversations he has? He's a loser. He's so, a fucking yeah. loser. He doesn't have any social skills. He, I think it's probably based on how he's angry at Marina for being the people that they're all here to see. Yeah, yeah. they don't jealous. give a shit about him. True. They hate him. They do, and that's nice to read about. Going through <laughs> all of this is a little bit comforting. In late August, Jake follows the Oswalds to the Gregory's home where we meet George Bow. The interesting thing about this guy is that his crush on Marina causes him to tell Demoran Shield later that, hey, this captivating woman, this amazing chick, is married to this crazy loser. And as we said earlier, Demoran Shield likes some freaky. <laughs> so <laughs> he wants to um, check this guy out because he gets bored easily. Time passes. We get moments of the Oswalds that we don't need to talk about, but they just continue to build their characters. <laughs> One night, Jake is feeling particularly bad and he decides that he can't take it anymore. He just, he ha he has to call Sadie and he reaches for the phone and a funny thing happens, a very like cutely romantic thing before he can pick it up and dial. Uh, Sadie calls him. And he knows it's yeah. her. I love that part. It's really nice. And they have a, a very awkward stumble into the conversation, <laughs> but... Sadie shares that she's finally divorced, uh, that she did meet a man while she was in Reno. And I like that she says it and then waits and Jake leaves it. Like, cause yeah, she says it in a way that's like, say something. About yeah. It. I yeah. Fucking Wait, dare yeah. You. you got something to say about that? And he's like, mm, <laughs> I'll bite my tongue. Yep. Uh, and that she confesses that they spent some time together, but they are no longer seeing each other. Although he's still interested in seeing her. Yes. I really love the way King describes this conversation where Jake is talking to Sadie, but it's George who's doing the out loud talking and Jake who's saying all the things on the inside yeah. that George can't. And he thinks maybe there are always two on each end of the conversation when good love hangs in the balance. Oh, it's just one of those lines. And when I read that, I was thrown back to like moments, you know, in my 
life where I've had that feeling where I so badly want to say something to someone, but I know I can't actually say it. So the only comfort you have is like, I'm going to say the thing I have to say to you. And on the inside, I'm going to say the thing like my heart wants me to say. It's so like accurate and poetic. It's also tough because she puts Jay kind of on the defense pretty yeah. fast with the he. The, the problem is that he's lying. Mm-hmm. And the first thing she's able to be like is we're already starting this conversation off on a lie because you said that you're living in Dallas and this number's in Fort Worth. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, he's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't sound like herself, too. He notices. Oh, and real quick, Roger Beaton, he's going to come back into things not in a super important way, but we're going to mention yeah. him later and just so everybody knows who he is. He's an aide to the Republican senator from California, Tom Kuchel. And so she sounds strange and he's asking her if she's okay. And she's like, you know, I'm just confused and sad. And he asks her if she's hiding a broom. Shots fired. <laughs> well, and he also notices that Roger is, based on what she's saying, Roger kind of talks in extreme politics similar to the way John Clayton did. Very doom and Which, gloom. yeah, will become extremely important yes. later on. Concerned from this conversation, Jake calls Ellie next. And oh boy, this is where she finally has had enough of George Amberson. It, she's right, though. Yeah. At the end of the day, right. she basically says, you cannot give me shit for standing up for Sadie because Sadie's still here. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. you're gone. You're doing whatever. You've been hiding behind whatever. Sadie's the one who's left here handling it. And so I'm on her side. Yeah. If there has to be, if I have to pick, that's where it is. Yeah. I like that we get a little more of the marks his marriage left on him since initially, you know, when we open with his divorce, it kind of seems like what is the the point of spending this time here? Mm-hmm. Um, we... Because he wonders if Sadie was drunk when she called Mm. and if she's a secret drinker like Christy was. And we find out that he did not know that Christy was an alcoholic until after they were married. She hid her drinking from him. And he thinks that it would be just another way for the past to harmonize. So he thinks it's probable that she is. What a nightmare twist that would be. (sighs) I I also, when this first came up, I was like, fuck you, Fuck you, George. (laughs) Stretch. Like, it seems kind of, I I don't know. I didn't think it was going to be anything. I didn't. Yeah, I actually didn't either. But I I think I understood why he thought that because of all the others. Yeah. Without the past harmonizing thing, it is a wildly unfair assumption. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's. Just on this it's, side of being okay about that thought. Yeah, right. It, I think it's the, it's him, it's more of him spiraling, him putting himself in this yeah. is only in the worst case scenario. So this, even if this does work out, it'll work out and this is how it's going to turn out. Yeah. We're at September 15th now and the Oswalds get visitors, George Bow, Demoran Shield, and an older white haired guy that Jake doesn't recognize. Demoran Shield greets Lee by pulling him to into an embrace that surprises him. And Jake can see, like, I think for the first time, a smile on Lee's face. And we find out that the stranger is Colonel Lawrence Orlov. Lee immediately, when everybody comes inside, gets moody again. And Demoran Schild takes the time to distract him. He picks up a copy of Atlas Shrugged and he's like, why do you have this? And Lee says, know your enemy. And Demoran Shield <laughs> flatters him by laughing like that's such a witty and clever thing to say. And they all send Marina and June away with Bo. And this is where Lee starts to open up and talk about his political beliefs, which I love. Jake is like, he's long-winded, pompous, and boring. <laughs> and it's a pretty scathing reaction to him. And 
he does feel that way. I also thought that Jake's observation of how Demoran Shield is manipulating Lee by listening, like being such a good listener, was really, really cool too. It sh- it goes into the fact that Demoran Shield just plays with people. Mm-hmm. Like he he's in your life to because he's bored, and then when he's done with you, he'll be done with you. Yeah. What did what did you think about? his comments about Walker, how he was introducing that into the conversation. I found this part a little confusing because he's doing this thing where he is using uh, leftist politics, which I am all for, but then also feeding it to a bad dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it yeah. hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that Lee is a piece of shit, but he is like, anti-race he's he's getting him worked up about racism Mm -hmm. and the how terrible (laughs) capitalism is and i'm like shit (laughs) these are all good things but you're feeding them to a violent narcissist he's going to twist them use them yeah i mean which i think we all do that we we interpret these things we filter them through our own lenses and that's why we can never agree on anything politically to to be fair lee is a bad leftist because he fucking hits his <laughs> wife yeah, yeah. right and uh, he has a lot of other beliefs too that not super intersectional slip through that you're like how can you think this and that yeah that yeah doesn't make yeah. any sense. well he's also he doesn't actually have any beliefs that's right because in this in this first part he's talking about he he mentions jfk positively mm-hmm. uh, and he has this and this uh demoran shield laughs at him basically is like oh you think that and he immediately is like the next time they talk he's like fucking jfk yeah, hates him. piece yeah. of shit yeah uh, it's yeah scary. he wants he has, to take over cuba and make yeah. it the 51st united state yeah he he doesn't have beliefs of that can't own. be yeah. uh manipulated by someone he wants to be important so he's going to change his beliefs to fit the idea of what an important Uh, person believes or just make someone yeah he just wants to be liked yeah Yeah. he's a loser it's king does a great job when he's writing this part about painting a very clear picture of how insufferable lee is with certain phrases like demore and shield said something and king describes it as lee squalled laughter And then when Demore and Shield gets up to leave, when everybody comes back and Lee's like, hey, why don't you stay for dinner? And then immediately insults Marina's cooking. It's like in the Mm -hmm. least classy thing a guy could do. Like you meet someone like, hey, you want to stay for dinner? My wife fucking sucks at cooking. You'd be like, (laughs) you fucking suck at being a husband, actually. No, I want to leave. I hope she leaves, too. And uh, Demore and Shield tops things off. Ben, is this the thing that you hate about him? As he leaves. <laughs> no, the scene with Demore and Shield actually isn't something that made oh. me angry about him as much as it did about Jake. Oh, okay. It's it's, it's the way Jake decides to solve a problem later. Oh, okay. Oh, dumb as shit. Well, since I set you up for it anyway, would you like to talk about the... Oh, yeah. He, he goes on this big... I can just imagine this guy so well. He is just like a big blustery dude who starts talking about Russia and stuff and to prove that he's a tough guy he rips his shirt open you know he talks with his mouth full yeah absolutely (laughs) and starts like pounding on his chest and it's like who are you who is this rally for yeah apparently it's for Lee because Jake sees Lee looking like he just had a revelation and it's like the blindness has dropped from his eyes. 
which is horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Jake's disappointed that this spy session didn't clear Damore and Shield of being involved in the assassination, and he decides that it is about time to move to the apartment on West Neely, which he does 10 days later. He keeps his place on Mercedes Street so that he can continue to check in on the Oswalds until they make the move because there's still someone currently living upstairs. But we know from Al's notes that nothing that Jake necessarily needs to spy on is going to happen. And again, he doesn't want to be depressed watching this guy abuse his family. Jake, speaking of, witnesses another family feud when Lee comes home to tell Marina he got laid off. This is should be a beautiful moment, but it's Lee because she he doesn't hear what she says. I don't think they're on the sidewalk kind of down the street, but he he sees her just kind of shrugging like, eh, that's life. And she gives him a hug. She's really supportive. But later that day, Marguerite comes over yelling at Lee because his boss called her and it turns out he didn't get laid off. He walked out on his job. Weird. He sucks. (laughs) But we, and I mentioned this fight because it ends with once again, Marguerite coming in, Lee getting upset. She leaves. And then we have Lee punching Marina in the face out of Nowhere. It was Mm. so jarring. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not even fighting, and he just, it's, I hate him. So, things are about to pick up in an interesting way as Jake stops at a bar one night to have a drink, and he is obsessing over thoughts of Sadie and how no one is really, truly taking his concerns for her seriously when something on the TV causes him to make a phone call. It's the embargo of Cuba. Now, everybody is speculating missiles, war. It's the Fear that lasts for about a half a week, essentially, that Jake knows is coming, but he also knows the doom and gloom that uh, John Clayton filled her head with. Well, he also knows it from his perspective, which mm-hmm. he knows how it turns out. Right. And I think mm-hmm. it's when he starts to see how seriously other people are yes. taking it. He's like, oh, yeah, they don't know the future like I do <laughs> to this. the To them, this is like it. <laughs> yeah, there are people in the bar that are basically saying, yep, this is end times. Like, we'll all be dead in the next few days. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, with that future knowledge, knowing that it's going to be fine, doesn't think about it. But yeah, I can't imagine being in the middle of panic. So he thinks of Sadie and he decides he needs to call her and her phone rings and rings and rings. And he goes over there. Finds her passed out with, what, half empty bottle of pills? She He thinks yeah. that she didn't imp- intentionally mm-hmm. try to commit suicide because there are pills left. Yeah, and she but she mixed it with booze. Yes. The when he gets into the house and immediately identifies the smells of whiskey and vomit mm-hmm. and then jumps that back to his ex-wife. I this section brought up his ex-wife more than mm, yeah. any of it has and it I think you're right you said it earlier. It really makes the time we spent on it earlier feel valuable because I'd forgotten about a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. And it's a really, I don't know, it makes Jake so much more three-dimensional yeah. to understand why those things that jump out to him so fast do. Why he's so smart about things. Yeah. He's been through some stuff. And he calls her Christy. Like he, he is yeah. really thrown back. And we <laughs> find out he's done this before. He's yeah. put a woman in a bathtub to wake her up so she doesn't die. Yeah, he he shakes her, lightly slaps her a little bit, throws water in her face, mm-hmm. and she is coming too. She's talking back, but it's very low and slow. He gets really stern with her, and I feel like this is the first glimpse of Jake being hard. It's like, hard mm-hmm. Jake has arrived. And we'll get a few more of these with him interacting with a couple other people later on. 
We see shortly after this, as she's recovering, we see what sets her off. She got some mail from John Clayton. What did you guys think of this? I, I forgot how fuck. this played out. I forgot about these pictures. I Yeah, I couldn't remember what the pictures were. And then when it explained them, I was shocked. The, the first one that he sees is a picture of a woman without a face. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was uh, some Norman Daniels yeah, stuff. Yeah, me too. Uh, but it turns out it's not. It's actually photos from the bombings in Japan. It's worse because it's very specific to his relationship with Sadie, what he did to her. It is it talking about, because this whole thing was about statistical analysis. It doesn't lie. Mm-hmm. The numbers say this is going to happen. The numbers say, and that's like what, it's written on a card or something mm-hmm. that's with those, is like coming soon to America and all this, uh, you know, melting flesh and... All that. Uh, one of the one is the you can see the four shadows vaporized on the wall. Mm-hmm. This is where Jake really understands that he can't relate to Sadie in this moment because he he knows the future and he's trying to argue with her about the likelihood of this happening and talk you know reason to him. And the, he decides like you know what this is it. The only thing that could possibly convince her is. The truth. Yeah. What did you guys think of how he came to this decision? Yeah, I, I, when it happened, I was like, oh shit, th- this is what I mentioned at the start of the episode. Mm-hmm. I forgot that he just comes clean. It's- well, it, it, I, I love that it's the only thing he can think to do. The only way to help mm-hmm. her is to let her know it will be okay. Because he is the only person in the world who can say that and not be a platitude. Well, and he doesn't fully tell her everything. Yeah. He just, he gives her more truth than he ever has. And yeah. it's like this, no, she, it's a crack in the shield. Like mm-hmm. we see, oh, he's eventually just going to straight up tell right. her he's from the future and why he's here well, because he, he can't so stay specific. away from her. He yeah. gives her enough information to make her ask him. And so it comes down to the the evidence that he shares with her that really shocked me was the thing about the surveillance of all their fighter jets is just trees that are painted. He's going to tell her things it's about so this he shouldn't specific know. Yeah. That when she finds them out, it's she'll know it's it was true then. Yeah, she'll know she won't know why he knows what he knows, mm. but she'll know he's not lying when he says he knows stuff. See, what I think is crazy because is is that the next scene is them because they pound cake. Mm-mm. Am I jumping way mm-hmm. ahead? Because well, I'm gonna jump way ahead. <laughs> uh, what I think is crazy that they he comes out with it. They he tells her that he's from the future. He comes, he says a bunch of stuff about the Bay of Pigs and the Cold War. Stuff he shouldn't know, but he does. It is crazy to me that her first reaction, and that he never thought of this at all, is to say, are you from the future and not, are you a government agent? (laughs) I thought that's what was going to happen. I thought she was going to be like, do you work for the CIA? And he'd go, uh... No, I don't because I don't. I in well, the past, it's, because, it's the I, I could have said I was buying presents. Yeah, well, it's again. because he talks like a future boy. That's well, that's how <laughs> they all talk alien. in the CIA. Well, because in the in, CIA <laughs> loves slang in, and the Rolling Stones. In this, in the part we're actually in, he she asks asks if he's human, mm. and th- is this not okay? Kind of to your point, Ben, is this not totally suspicious? She when she asks if he's human, he answers. 
in the most suspicious way ever because he he doesn't say anything. He comes up behind her and to distract her, perhaps, cups her breasts and kisses her neck and says, totally human. (laughs) (laughs) So we know, but shouldn't Sadie be like, "Uh, yeah, totally. Totally human. And then the tail wraps around her. (laughs) (laughs) So they are starting their relationship back up. Ellie confronts Sadie about this and Sadie basically is like, you know what? I accept the broom. <laughs> he Well, he saved my life. I can yeah. repay him with trust. I'm I being like really dark uh... about it. It's just from our perspective, yes, I want this to happen. But from Ellie and Sadie's, is this reasonable? <laughs> you know what? When you love someone, you love someone, even if they're totally human. (laughs) (laughs) Totally human. We get another montage of their relationship starting back up and it's really sweet, but it's alarmingly sad too, because throughout this, he occasionally throws in a line that refers to this in the past in a way that indicates deep sorrow and grief. Like he's mourning something. And it reminded me that, oh yeah, we are reading his manuscript of his attempt to change the past. And again, I feel like this is a story. It's, this is a love story. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it's uh, yeah. these were the good times. He, yeah. He ends this part with talking about how vulnerable, clumsy and brave Sadie was and how he loved her. And that he's wearing the loafers she got him for oh Christmas my. while he's writing this. This is so it's cute. Every time I read this book, I always come to a few points throughout. Where I'm like, I don't want to finish. <laughs> I thought we could jump ahead here past some of the passages of time. It's more anecdotes about Jake and Sadie and his time spent spying on the Oswalds when he's not in Jody with Sadie. And I'll just point out some, I think, important parts. But if there's anything I miss that you guys want to talk about, we can go back. Sure. So, oh, during this, we get the most disgusting TV interview from Walker. And Jake thinks Mm. he's a piece of shit, but doesn't deserve killing. And I'm like, disagree. We end this chapter with Jake discovering, I was horrified by this, that Marina is pregnant. Yeah. On March 2nd, 1963, the Oswalds finally move in upstairs on West Neely and Jake buys a gun. He passes Faith Financial on his way home and he doesn't think the Sharpie who'd paid him off before recognized him as his eyes passed over him. and He probably didn't. And one night, (laughs) (laughs) one night at Sadie's, Jake notices a white over red Plymouth Fury, like the one that was his touchstone out of the rabbit hole. Mm. And he feels a harmonic connection with it, which gives him unease. And he watches it drive by and that's it. Marina makes a friend, Ruth Payne. And we find out from Al's notes that she'll eventually leave Lee and move in with Ruth. And Lee will have stored his rifle in the Payne's garage. Jake spies on them enough to know that they're becoming really good friends. And he thinks, hopefully, you know, maybe Ruth will take Marina in after Jake kills Lee. So because he's starting, he feels sympathy for her and Mm. he feels responsible because he can't step in. But he sees a lot of abuse. As Jake continues to spy, he runs into some obdurate past stuff. He's listening to a conversation between Lee and Shield that could answer his question as to whether or not He's involved with the Walker (laughs) attempt, yeah, or if he's just egging Leon, and his equipment malfunctions, and he loses their conversation. He follows Lee around one day, and he sees him stash the gun he'll use on Walker on April 10th, and Jake plans to be there. Shortly after that, he witnesses Lee's rifle being delivered, the one in one of the pictures that Al Mm -hmm. left in the journal. I I love that he says that the picture that he has had in his book was taken outside of his window. Yeah. I was like, that's kind of cool. How (laughs) hard 
would it be for you to not photobomb? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd be, that's all I could think about. Oh my like, god! Think about sliding the wild your, your finger under the, yeah. like, the blinds. You could have because you'd have the original photos. You could be like, <laughs> they're both authentic. Test them. Jake wakes up one night, muttering the words, still not too late in his sleep. And he wonders if this is the last night he'll be able to be with Sadie. And he thinks, could she be a trap set by the past? But he doesn't care. He loves her and he wants to take care of Lee the right way so that he doesn't find himself having to run back to the present where Sadie will be in her 80s if she's still alive in 2011. Jake then spots a familiar looking car. It's another Plymouth Fury, but when he goes outside to investigate... He sees that the car has different plates than the one he noticed driving past Sadie's house, so that's fine. So after this nightmare, Sadie wakes up and they pound cake. And this is where he tells her his real name. Before we get to this conversation, I, I do want to circle back to something mm, yeah. uh, we, we skipped over in this jump. Um, and it's a, a conversation that is going to have deeper impact later. There's a point where... Uh, Lee and Marina fight on the street mm -hmm. out in front of the house and Jake steps out and he's watching it and he hears somebody say, aren't you going to do something about that? And it's the neighbor next door. And this woman is like, there's, you know, aren't you, you're, you're watching the same thing I'm watching. Like, can't you do something about it? And he just says, no, <laughs> yeah. like it does not elaborate because he like he can't do any more than that. Mm -hmm. And I like that he thinks about adding something about not coming between a man and his wife. But that would be a lie because he's been coming between Sadie and her husband for a while. Oh, hey oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but good. One. <laughs> but the the thing that I loved was that he knew he, the wrestling with if he could call the cops or not mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. he knew that Lee was never arrested for mm -hmm. domestic violence but there's nothing saying if police ever came or not so he doesn't even have there's literally nothing he yeah. can do for he just that. has to watch right it sucks and it's just yeah it's so brutal that he like because he wants to do something so bad and having to just walk back in the house mm -hmm. So we're we're back with Sadie and Jake. We've jumped ahead quite a bit. And as I said, they're pounding cake. He tells her his real name afterwards. And she likes his real name better than George, which I love. It's just cute. And then he kind of proposes to her. He tells her if next uh, week goes mm -hmm. the way he plans, they can get married if she'll have him. Here, I knowing what we know about Jake's name and John's middle name... I don't understand how she can like his name more than his fake name. Oh, no. I didn't yeah. even realize that. John yeah. Jacob Clayton. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize <laughs> that. Because she at one point uh, in the phone thing later, she yells Jacob or something. Like, yeah. And he's confused by that until we find out. I'm, you know, just Ooh, pointing okay. it out there. Yeah. No. Uh, so she has one question she needs to ask him before she'll agree to marry him. <laughs> and that's if he's married. <laughs> and, Good question. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there are several very important ones. That's one of them. But she's a, a woman of her times. And then she says something that freaks him out. She asks if she can help him. And he tells her something that he's going to reference a couple times throughout the part we're covering today. He is like horrified by this. And she immediately sees that. And he's like, I am standing next to a big machine full of sharp teeth and it is running at full speed and I'm monkeying with it. And as long as I am messing with this thing, you are not going to be anywhere near me because it's dangerous. 
And so we end this section with her saying yes to his proposal. And Jake decides, this is important, but we're not going to know in what way for a while. He decides that he's going to store his evidence of his life and what he's doing in a safe deposit box at the First Corn Bank of Dallas. Smart decision. Okay, we, Honestly, the fact that he didn't hide that shit in a safer place sooner is insane. Yeah, especially with all the moving around yeah. and stuff he does. So we are at the morning of the 10th, and he sees Lee head out around 3.33. And he's getting ready to leave his apartment when he opens his door to Marina standing there. She's just basically uh, asks if he knows where her husband is. It's really sad because she's asking him while tears are falling down her cheeks because she's worried about what's going on. And then he's like, I can let you let him know you're looking for him. She's like, no, no, no. Don't even let him know I speak English. Yeah. Something even worse happens next, though. Jake's phone begins to ring after Marina walks off and he hesitates a moment. Because he's like, man, I, I got to go do this thing. Today's the 10th. But Imagine if he I gone. know. Thankfully, he doesn't. He he answers it. Which one of you would like to tackle this phone call? It is bad. <laughs> it is this lilting southern voice. And the second he's like, oh, it's this soft, soft-spoken voice uh, asking for him. I was like, uh-oh, mm-hmm. here we go. And he he uh, says, someone here wants to talk to you. And we hear Sadie screaming. Uh, as we find out, it is because uh, John Clayton has slashed her face open with a knife. And it sucks. After breaking into her home and slashing her like underwear and dresses mm. and stuff and writing crude things in her lipstick on her walls. This dude is, it, it's wild that we don't, get much of him as a character yeah it is it's jarring it's jarring Mm -hmm. it's very very sudden violence Mm -hmm. which i don't know if it has been built up like obvious something bad was gonna happen i think it's just an interesting way to do it because we get all of the intimacy of lee and marina and that's a violent relationship so i think it just gives us something to kind of like compare you know a b Mm. to have this jarring sort of like one person expected this did anybody else thing happen and then it's so violent i think it makes it i I, yeah i think it's the we are on jake's side that this man is dangerous Mm. but no one could anticipate the level of violence he'd immediately jump to as opposed to what Jake was probably thinking of stalking or there was, he just didn't catch it. It reminded me of Jim Dooley and Lisey's story. Yeah. Yes. Mm. The level of violence mm. just from this like mild mannered Southern guy. And yeah. the, the violence is just something I have to do. Mm-hmm. We find out that Johnny hasn't been doing so well. He's become very mentally unwell and very aggressive. He attacked a woman for like, it sounds like accidentally brushing past him mm-hmm. in passing. But for touching her down him. the stairs. Yes. And so he was uh, committed and received electroshock therapy. He tells Jake to come or he'll kill Sadie. And he hangs up on Jake. And Jake struggles for a minute with the thought of keeping his appointment or going to rescue Sadie. 
That, I mean, at this point, there's no choice. Because, I'm surprised he even thought of it because right. he's so far in. Like, there's so, Well, there's so many options. There's so much time between now and the JFK assassination. Like, there's mm-hmm. still there's still other ways to close this window. Yeah. This is just the most immediate. This is a conversation that says, one of you is going to die. Get down here so you can tell me which one it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's immediate. Yeah. It's two two things. One, Sadie's an idiot. Uh, as she, because we get, as oh, yeah, Jake she's is too traveling, angry to be scared. <laughs> as Jake is traveling, we get what happened to Sadie that mm. led to this. And uh, her door was broken open. And she was like, Did I forget to lock it? Oh, I must have also forgotten to not splinter the wood. <laughs> uh, and then sees uh, the stuff written on her mirror, all this. And then just continues to go deeper in her house. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, She's should, she's getting angry. And yeah, she's and not, she's just so yeah. blinded that yeah. he he was just in the house where she walked right to him mm-hmm. for this. He was hiding behind her bedroom door. Mm-hmm. And I also love that because of what we know of this man and his sexual hangups, that the insult of choice that he continues to call Jake is cockboy. Yeah, and I think that that's hilarious. <laughs> like, come and get her, cockboy. <laughs> I was surprised by something else here too, Jake asks for help before he departs. Mm-hmm. Did you guys anticipate that he would call Deke? I it's, mean, it the harmonizing that he's setting up here, like he is choosing to lean into make it. it. Yeah. yeah. What did you think of that? I didn't <laughs> I didn't think of it as a, a harmonizing for the event as much as I thought it was Jake finally learning <laughs> that um, he can't do shit by himself because <laughs> he gets fucked up every time. Nope, he's not that smart. No, nope. he uh, Deke is to play the part of Bill Turkett. This mm. is a the Dunnings all over again, which made me terrified because this scene has the yeah. same feeling of him rushing in the back mm-hmm. door as Bill Deke comes in the front, and as we know, his first foray into the Dunnings didn't end with everyone surviving. Yeah. Right. So I really fully expected uh, more than just the death we got. Yeah. Do you, which one of you want to describe uh, the scene? Yeah. That plays he, out? The plan is to have Deke come knock on the front door. He has a casserole. <laughs> uh, he's he's going to distract him by saying, oh, I'm just stopping by to drop off this casserole. And while he is doing that, Jake is sneaking in the back door with the gun. And he is going to stop the and save and save Sadie, but he doesn't even get to the back door before the plan goes tits up immediately <laughs> because he he hears screaming, shocked yelling, uh, because the door was it's broken. Open. There's no knocking. Yeah, <laughs> so he just walked in, and when he saw how bad Sadie's mm-hmm. face is, he started to yell. And the violence, one of my favorite King phrases, everything that happened next happened very quickly. Mm-hmm. I love that shit. Because yeah. he rushes in the back door and I, I wanted to call him Percy. <laughs> John. John. John, I hate him as much as Percy, <laughs> has put the knife down but is still holding the gun. And he gets, uh, as he's aiming the gun at Deke, uh, Sadie mm-hmm. knocks it out of his yeah. hand she because Sadie rules. Into his legs, yeah. yeah, and knocks him down. And there's a whole scuffle. Jake punches him a bunch. It's a great. Bunch. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, he does the worst thing that lunatics do in stuff like this. Same thing happened in Insomnia, where the obviously crazy person, the second they are disarmed, immediately falls into the, no, you can't hit me, mm-hmm. which yeah, just yeah. boils my blood. It's another very <laughs> effective writing technique yeah. where you're like, oh, but Jake knows he can't shoot him because the second he does, the cops are going to show mm-hmm. up. They're going to find out that he's not who he says he is. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big thing. Well, because Sadie screams at him not to shoot him. Mm-hmm. And you initially think like, oh, she's, you know, just this kind hearted person. But then when he realizes, shit, I actually can. It's like, oh, maybe she's also thinking of that. Yeah. But in the, the he, they disarm him quote unquote uh and he goes to check on deke to go to check on sadie everything's clayton has reverted to being a a wimpy whimpering man Mm -hmm. in a puddle until everyone has turned their back another mistake you never do (laughs) right because they hear him moving and do not have time to turn around and get the knife from him before he slits his own throat I forgot that he did that. Some problems solve themselves. He does it in the worst way, though, because he blames Sadie. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we end part four with Johnny killing himself. And now we are, we're going to dive a couple chapters into part five, 11, 63. We get caught up with newspaper clippings. The first is about the attempt on Walker's life. And the second is about a mental patient slashing his ex-wife and committing suicide. And it's a similar article to the one about Frank Dunning. Deke was the one who saved the day. George came by shortly after, and they called an ambulance for Sadie, who was taken to Parkland Memorial Hospital in Dallas. What struck me most about Jake and Sadie in the hospital is Jake's, like initially, is his surprise at what her hospital room looks like. Because it it was just this reminder to all of us how different things were. Because his life is full, but it's sort of like very contained, almost isolated. He's kind of sheltered from time, from the rest of the world. Mike and Bobby Jill visit. Sadie's condition is really bad. Her cheek was hanging in two flaps on her face. He cut through a bunch of muscle and tissue, damaged her nerves and her face so badly. Her eye is kind of drooping and she Mm. can't produce tears in that eye. And she'll have a hard time eating on her left side yeah. for the rest of her life. And there will always be a droop by her. And it's it's sad when, you know, Bobby Jill is asking if they can fix it. And she's kind of hopeful and she's touching her own face that was very badly scarred. And Jake tells them that might not be possible because it's that bad. And the doctor tells Ellie, Deke, and Jake the truth about how bad it is while saying, like, I think, you know, we need to soften things for parents, but you guys need to know the truth. Mm. We just cannot repair this the way we wish we could based on our current technology. And man, if only they had access to better technology someday. So Sadie is, she goes through these next few weeks so depressed she doesn't think she can face going back to work she doesn't she's always pushing back on jake like how could you possibly love me after this still want to be with me and he's so reassuring he's so kind and patient with her through all of this mike and bobby jill come up with an idea a harmonizing of sorts i like that when he's, Every, the answer to everything this it's, is around the part where i started getting annoyed with it honestly yeah i like the idea but at this point i'm like we get it oh things are gonna keep happening 
that already happened. <laughs> Let's move on a little bit. Yeah. But it's it's when they sell it and his re- response is like, that's just crazy enough to work. <laughs> Obviously, it's the jamboree. Obviously, yeah. it's yeah. the thing you did to raise money for the other facial scar in our lives. Yeah. The, the, like, when we outside get the to the jamboree and uh, who Mike and, and Bobby, Bobby, Jill. Bobby Jill start doing yeah. the dance. Yeah. hop. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, every dance is a real, like, <laughs> diminishing returns, guys. <laughs> this is, it was really great the first couple times, and but now see, I'm over it. The diminishing returns for us, because of the pace we're reading it, think of, in this, it's six months to a year between these things, I'm so they still keep sure. their freshness a little bit. <laughs> I guess. And you gotta appreciate the effort of them learning the Lindy Hop so they could do it for... It's the... What else do they have to do? (laughs) The internet doesn't exist. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Over the next few days, Jake is going to spend some more time spying on Lee and Demore and Shield between his visits at the hospital. And he goes through his options again, trying to fit his new life into what he knows he has to do. And his relationship with Sadie is changing his plans. I wanted to mention briefly, while she was still in the hospital, Jake comes to visit one day and the nurse, like I think it's a head nurse, pulls him aside. She's like, because they all love him because he's just so like, you know, caring of Sadie. And she's like, her parents came to visit. <gasps> they are the I hope worst. we'd forgotten about this part. Oh, my God. oh, it was so terrible. They just suck. So but they basically mm. victim blame her and yep. they rode up with John's parents yeah, and they, they're downstairs in the morgue and they're like isn't that carpool. sad oh my gosh so when jake walks now they in, have to switch churches it's a uh, whole fucking thing <laughs> i wish you understood it's horrible i love though jake is like because she's like yeah they suck but i'm gonna have to live with them because i can't yeah. you know she resigned I need herself help. to it immediately yeah. and jake's like fuck that i'm gonna take care of you i this is just it's hard to get through because it's sad and it's long and I just want them to be okay. Jake basically, just to keep it brief, he pretends to live with Deke and he's actually staying with Sadie and taking care of her and putting his Oswald plans on hold so that he can help her out and he can make money and pay her bills. It's a really rough section because yeah. Sadie's recovery is hard. She has really bad nights. She just goes through a lot, you know, struggling with this. And when she pushes him, pushes him away yeah. really hard through, like, I mean, understandably with what she's going through. Yeah. But man, she tries to get him to leave a few times. Yeah. Jake occasionally feels throughout this like he's being watched, but he can't confirm that. And he decides money's getting short. He's going to have to place a bet again. Sadie's medical bills are huge. He's running out of funds and he tries to be careful but that's ultimately not going to pan out for him and we there sadie slowly starts to come around feeling like she can recover and might have a life again the day of the benefit is coming up and she's kind of against it she sees it as charity and jake talks her into accepting it by telling her that even her doctor wants to be part of the show <laughs> playing the back half of a pony which he's he he's lying to her here like yeah. he has no problem lying to her about something like this so then he has to call a doctor and try to get him to agree and we get a brief anecdote of some people of that era being people of that era in a gross way mm-hmm. just about their relationship about her job because she was attacked. Yeah. yeah. This, the lady, the, there are two members of the school board that are like, we can't support this fundraiser because it 
I, literally, well, I can't even parse she, the she, logic of this. Ben, she let her husband do that to her, and that yeah. is dangerous. Y- it's insane. Like, that's essentially, yeah. like, the tone it's delivered with. Like, how dare she let that happen her to fault. her? He, she must have done something to uh, make him, to push him to that point. Imagine how it's angry horrible. she must have made him. It, it leads to the best scenes yeah. in this segment. Yeah. The best. So, before that, we find out that those two people in particular have their own dirty laundry (laughs) and deke deke knows it and he has a real mimi shit talk moment about it (laughs) which will come up later i love it as oh jake sees a flyer that's going to kind of shape how he's trying to get more money it's for a i almost said a i almost said a baseball fight yeah classic (laughs) baseball Um, fight a punching fight Uh, yeah boxing that's that you got there got there in three it was a B word and I just <laughs> couldn't get it. I'll quickly summarize the day of the show unless one of you want to take it. Go for it. Uh, nah. I know the, we're, we're just going through like these Like I said, quickly. this is the yeah. kind of stuff that by this point I'm like, let's, let's move on I, a I little bit. I just like picked book. out parts that I thought yeah. like build towards other things. So it's a day of the, f- of the show. Jake tries to t- talk Sadie into going. She just can't do it, but she's appreciative. She's come around at least that much and gives him a statement to share f- on her behalf. But Ellie has some words for her. We don't find out what they are right away, but she basically tells her to nut up. And, that was- <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Good. Yes. <laughs> The show goes off great, and at the end, as Jake is reading Sadie's speech, he people start to go crazy, and then he feels a hand on his arm. That's such a good moment. And it's Sadie. She shows up. She's smiling for once, even and, though she's scarred. And Jake has this moment where he's like, oh, she's not that bad after all. She's <laughs> This woman I love is still pretty, even though she's... Oh, he ma- doesn't think it like that. But <laughs> still, I'm like, come on, Jake. He does act surprised. <laughs> well, to be, this is... The first time he's seen her in any sort of makeup, she's been hiding any her sort of hair smiling. Over her face. Yeah, sure. Like the the effort that she's put in, being like, as he's seen her, he's only seen her as the best he's seen her, mm-hmm. and now this is oh, we've had, this has made more progress than I thought it did. Mm-hmm. She really, yeah, she set his expectations low. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, yeah, I could take her to Pound Town. <laughs> well, Christ. and oh, this. <laughs> Actually, yeah, they yeah. pound cake for the first time since yeah. she got attacked that night. On stage. Live, yeah. Well, they didn't have it at the school for that reason. Yeah, <laughs> it's super hot. It, this, <laughs> this time it's, I'm just ignoring you guys. It's it's different though because they're really back together. It's not like it yes. was when they first it started feels, talking again. Because she like welcomed, like she's very even gentle about yeah. welcoming him back into bed. Yeah. And yeah, it's really, really, it's very tender. And he sleeps well for the first time in eight months, which is like, the next morning, Jake has an idea. It so seems stupid. pounding cake has cleared his brain for once. And he realizes, oh, man, I can just ask Damore and Shield if he was involved. So Duh. fucking dumb. And Duh. We're gonna so talk, easy. We're going to talk about that. But just this is the part where Jake, like this next morning, he tells Sadie <laughs> the truth. Like, yeah. <laughs> all of it. What did you guys think? I liked the... St- the stuff what we've done here can only go so far. What if I could take you to a place where they uh, they shoot you in the face with a laser and you'd like it? <laughs> and she's like, "All right, Glad I'm you're into, not explaining this to her." Into, I, I'd be a terrible time traveler <laughs> if I'm honest. The the thing that really I thought was interesting is this idea that he's he almost doesn't say it because he doesn't know if he wants to or not. He he realizes that after. He does what he has to do. He may have to flee. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the odds will be 
very stacked against him. And he doesn't want her to be a prisoner in the future. That's the part yeah. that really, I think, is really interesting me, uh, to me, is he compares it to Lee bringing Marina yeah. to the United States when she doesn't speak the language. She's not mm-hmm. part. He tries to isolate her and he doesn't want to do that to Sadie because he recognizes that in the future, she's never going to be comfortable fully. The culture shock will be so extreme that he doesn't know how it would affect her. You know, what, I don't though, think she'd handle it. I think she would. Isn't he the one who said in the very beginning our brains can handle more than we think they can was that this book it was, was. It this book? Yeah. oh I, jesus christ i, know, I had we... a moment of fear when i said that where i was like wait that was this one, right? <laughs> yeah i, I... <laughs> it was only two minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i mean i think sadie's a tough lady yeah obviously i think he's being overly but dramatic I but I, it's a nice it's sentiment. An interesting parallel very, yeah. in a book that is hugely about these weird harmonic parallels yeah So Jake is going to prove he's from the future because he's not very good on his history by placing a bet on the fight he saw that flyer for. And he ends up having to hunt down a fratty in a pawn shop to do this. Oh my! If I was placing another bet in my entire life and it was with a fratty, I'd find another place to make a bet. (laughs) And it's so funny because he just surprised me with his deke bill plan yeah. about leaning into the harmonizing but he fails to remember that fratty betrayed him i mean he remembers shortly but yeah, yeah. when it's too late so sadie has surgery on august 5th jake sees her off to it and then he makes a call to demoran shield to set up a meeting let's talk about this call and then dive right into the meeting <laughs> it, it's pretty cool like the way it works out is He's cool, so fucking cool but it's so stupid <laughs> It is so stupid that the entire book, the entire point of the plan is like, it's so focused on, I can't fuck up the past. I can't fuck up the past. Whatever I do, there's no way of knowing how the butterflies will flap. There's, I have to do every, and he's like, oh, you know what I can do? (laughs) Fuck all that. (laughs) I'm just gonna go right to the source what does what is his plan if because the plan is he's gonna go to him and be like he tells this guy he kind of implies that he's a member of the CIA that he's been watching him and he has which is really cool and yeah. he knows he knows enough about this event to be able to say some shit that's convincing yeah, yeah. It, it's a really and he's a scene. he's like a 007 he's like a secret agent it here. is I I honestly wish there was more of this kind yeah. of stuff in the book I think it's super cool mm-hmm. but also it's just dumb as hell <laughs> like, what what would his plan have been if he talks to this guy and's like did you push were you a part of this and he went yeah what, what, well, what's what's you know, the follow-up? The plan is to take Sadie right now and go back to 2011 because if you don't know who all you have to take care of to stop this or it's a bunch of people or these conspiracy theories might be true. Now he's got to kill them both. I would just be like, I came to the past no, to, find, my pay grade. to find my <laughs> wife and now <laughs> to find my, my wife. <laughs> so, yeah, it's. Uh, did you want to talk anything? Well, also, this just occurred to me. Oh, I can't do anything to fuck up the past. How much would the past fuck up if you deleted a person from it? (laughs) Because Sadie leaving the past is going to, who knows? Everything she does for the rest of her life is now null. Why don't don't you love love, Ben? (laughs) 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 It's just. I know. It's, but it's just him 
blundering his way through this because think back to how much prep time he was given. <laughs> right. And also, I keep forgetting this, and I don't remember quite where it's it's brought up, but I think it's brought up like twice, and we might have already passed one of them. He thinks about Al, like the after it passed, being responsible for Al getting really sick. Mm-hmm. And it, I keep, it's like my brain kept ignoring that because I didn't want to think about what horrible thing is going to happen to Jake. Because Al came back on his deathbed, basically. Yeah. How is Jake going to come back any different? He's trying to do the same thing. Anyway, so he he does find out that Demoran Shield is just exactly what he and Al thought. <laughs> yeah, just a, just a wiener who was having fun. He basically, uh, they set up a clandestine meeting and uh, he gives him a, an article that shows a picture of him and his wife out for her birthday at a table with one Jack Ruby. I hope that name doesn't Ooh. come back. Well, I've never read a history book, but probably not. <laughs> and he almost makes him pee his pants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Scares the fuck out of him. <laughs> yeah, it's, he pulls a gun yeah. on him. And and it tells him he's boring him, it's which hard, is really It's hard as bad. fuck. Yeah. It is. He's so sexy right now. <laughs> <laughs> on August 7th, Jake picks Sadie up from the hospital, and she has decided that she will go with him to the future. And the next section starts with Jake saying that That August was the closest to a honeymoon they ever got. More sad, past tense speak, foreshadowing nothing working out the way I want it to. Just had to go on a fuckcation. A poundcation. 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 There you go. Glad we got there. We workshop. This show is about workshopping. Uh Uh-huh, and you're going to hear it all. (laughs) We get another badass scene of Jake, this time threatening a woman, but honestly, she has it coming. (laughs) I don't even care. She's an asshole. Save it. Everybody save that. Save that audio. Because it's it's the lady from the school board. Yeah. Yeah. She comes, she confronts him. At the grocery store. Hey, listen, you're not living with Deke. You're living with Sadie in sin. (gasps) And I am going to do everything in my power because it is my job to make sure that our teachers are morally upright. And Jake goes, bitch, I swear to God, I will tell everyone your business. And she And he knows it. She has yeah. a, oh, yeah. a, a, a child like, out of her I will find your kid. I will get a photo of your kid and I'll pass it around town. It's he intimidates so her too. Like it's she's scared for her life. Awesome. And I'm like, I, I don't, I have no criticism for anything he did. Let's move on. <laughs> Jake and Sadie talk more about what he's here to do and why she can't help. And he's willing to tell her a lot, actually. But there are some things that he's still holding back because he's he's worried that her knowledge will be enough to make her a target of the past as well. And Sadie decides that his prediction of how the Tom Case fight is going to go is good enough for her. And not only that, she's going to go with him to the fight. I really it's so cute them going to the fight together. Tell us about it, Josh. Because they, it's not actually going to the fight. They're going to a bar that is uh, has four projector screens, which for the time is very mm-hmm. advanced. And it's a bar full of people who are all there for the fight. Uh, Sadie's dressed to the nines. Got a hat that, that gracefully over. hides yeah. the scarred part of her face. I also really like that in this historical fiction, Stephen King chose to make a fictional fight. So Was this, it? Yeah, this boxing match never happened. Tom Case is not a, a boxer. Hmm. Gotcha. Uh, but the other guy is. Okay. And I think it was such a smart idea to invent a fight that ends unexpectedly because 
of how many times Jake is like, I also don't know for I've never heard of this fight. Mm. It, like the other things that I've bet on, it. I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm trusting that Al Googled the right thing and that I haven't somehow changed this. Uh, so I thought that was a neat touch. Yeah, because it, it makes very, them invested. It, it was one of those like he's betting on the underdog yeah, sort and, of things. And he made his bet again because he's an idiot. So specific of like, mm-hmm. give, what are the odds that the underdog wins? What if he wins in seven rounds? What, what if, if he's he wins wearing in the exact amount of rounds? <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll take that one. Uh, and, but I do love that Sadie makes a bet with the person, the guy in, sitting in front of them. And then she ups it's, the odds. I kept waiting for it to get <laughs> shitty and it didn't. And I'm yeah, I'm it glad is for again I it. showing how much smarter Sadie is than <laughs> yeah. Jake. Jake is making these huge bets. If he just needs to live, do it Sadie's way. Yeah. Don't make bets with bookies that are mobbed up. Or become a just... cocktail waitress. <laughs> or become a cocktail waitress. He's tall enough. Yeah. He is. Got the He's games. Got <laughs> so the... And that's coming from Benjamin Games. <laughs> that's what they call me. I hate it. High on fight. Jake and Sadie get back to Jody and pound cake. And afterwards, Sadie's like, I never want to go to another fight because that cake pounding was just bloodless. Now make love to me good. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess if you're going to make someone like redo it, is that a a bad thing to do? (laughs) Like, would you really be better? Would you really be bad if your wife, your girlfriend was like, okay, fuck me again? (laughs) But this time make it with love. (laughs) The next day, Jake collects his money from Fratty, and he has this unpleasant sense of deja vu as he's leaving, which I missed the first time. Despite how many times I've read this book, I missed it the second, third, and fourth time, too. <laughs> I forgot about the first dairy betrayal with Fratty because we he went back and he redid that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that was sort of how things played out in my mind. And I did not anticipate this to happen. So apparently, Jake gave Gutierrez syphilis and now he's obsessed with him. (laughs) Tale as old as time. Yeah, let's talk about this huge thing that I blocked out of my mind and really had to force myself to get through to make notes on because it's so... Some goons break into Jake's apartment because Fratty's daughter was at the boxing thing that they went to. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And ratted him out and this these mobsters come in they're like okay listen up i'm i, I don't want to our what our boss has syphilis yeah, right he's, yeah he thinks he's you're the devil de- yeah he's yeah. gonna be dead soon and if we kill you someone else will be the devil yeah so, but we do have to rough you up because you kept showing up because <laughs> you're a dumbass and you know one time fucking us over with this wildly specific bet <laughs> that sucked but you kept doing it, so fuck you. I love that it's this. He's like, you, and, and you did it to him. Then you did it to me, and I was gonna fucking forget about you. you. I, I was, you were off my radar, and then you did it to me again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bud. Uh. What a dipshit. He's like, we got to bust your knee. And he's like, no, please don't do that. And then he cracks him with them. You would. I would have begged. Yeah. They uh, beat him up bad. Yeah. Like when he catches. Practically into a coma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because how long is he in the hospital? 11 11 weeks. weeks. And then he's in rehab after that. When he gets the lead pipe shot to the stomach and feels like something ruptured and he just Uh. immediately goes 
something bad happened. Yeah, <laughs> I think he tell, like, yeah, he tells yeah. him that. He's like, you guys, I think you hurt me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be how I handled being yeah. be like, you hurt me. This is going to suck. Yes, no, time out, time out, time yeah. out. That was Pause. bad enough. <laughs> so they take a picture of him to show to Eddie so they can satisfy Eddie's mindless rage right now. And Jake gets up and he tries to tell himself, he's like, I'm not as bad off as Tom Case. Oh, I'm still alive. My God. The it is what proceeds is Paul Sheldon levels of getting room to room in agonizing pain. Mm-hmm. It, like it it's like 10 pages of just trying to get to the fucking car, and it is horrifying every time and realizing he can't drive yeah and like slowly realizing because it's like we've all had one of those injuries where like you have a have a bad fall and you get up and you're like oh that's not yeah Yeah. and it's like yeah then your body's like no (laughs) and it's like when he starts realizing oh my my left pant leg is now tight and like i'm not going to be able to get even into my car let alone try to drive it and then how his vision narrows and he's pretty sure he's going to pass out right on the street, and that'll be oh, it for him. This, and he does, and the sidewalk's so soft. This <laughs> segment coming up is another one of those moments I'm like, I love all the Jody stuff. I love all the, I wish we could have cut. <laughs> like, maybe a chapter and, of that yeah. for more of this. Yeah. Because this, he slowly comes to. He Well, we should mention real quick who saves him. Because we brought her up yep. earlier. Oh, yeah. It's the, it's the old lady that called him a coward yeah. for not helping uh, helping Marina. Mm-hmm. Finds him and is like, oh, bud, you're fucked, huh? And gets Yells him for to the hospital. Yeah. But we get this, yeah, very Paul Sheldon, like, drifting in and out. And his his brains are fucking scrambled. Yeah, he, I, I the, love the, he... the line of, I was told I screamed a lot, but I don't remember. I, I love he describes those 11 weeks as living two lives again, an outside yeah. life, one he hardly knew about, and an inside life, one where he dreamed of the yellow card man. Yeah. Oh, the the d- weird dreams floating through this whole yeah. section are so cool. And the idea, this sudden, because I had forgotten about all of this too, and mm-hmm. I, the 11 weeks pass. And he is on a deadline. Mm-hmm. And when he comes to, he is missing things. He doesn't know if he's Jake or George for a little bit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He has memories. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. my God. That's such an interesting, yeah. like, it's very how dead is zone. he going? Yes. yes. How is he going to rem- not remember what his goal is mm-hmm. if it's been knocked out of him. Well, and he put all of his stuff in yeah, the safe deposit box. So, so he doesn't all. So I was, and he doesn't so even remember ready. that. <laughs> I was so ready for this to be like him now just being in the past, completely Jake and well, not completely Jake. That's old timey slang for completely okay. <laughs> and super not. Uh, but like, yeah, the, yeah. Th- this is a really cool idea. Is will he remember if he is there from the future? And, and it's really he, neat that he told Sadie stuff is so fascinating at this point too, because she is sort of like a touchstone for the future. Mm. I like it because yeah. she's trying to help him remember things. Dude, what fucked me up is the when she brings in a jack o' lantern in October and he starts screaming <gasps> about Frank Dunning, yeah. except for he doesn't know oh. any of their names. 
but he like yeah. loses his mind yeah. about how he's got to stop him from killing his family. And, and then he and ultimately, at some point, he tells her, "Yeah, I yeah. killed a man. I killed a man in Maine." And she tells Deke a lot of yeah. stuff that he tells her and about him being from the future. And it's this fascinated me too because Deke is not like, "Yep, that makes sense," but he's like, "I can tell." He's something, yeah. and I support mm. that, and I support you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was—it's the most like diplomatic. He's a time travel ally. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And so I thought there, this sets up a lot of really cool ideas, and then kind of just brushes past it because the end of this chapter and the end of our reading is him being like, "Oh, I kept thinking." Well, we haven't gotten to the the church and the sign. Oh, yeah, the way he... Uh, so Okay, so a couple of things real quick before we finish. What I like about how this part is written is that it's bad enough that he wants, that he was so badly beaten and his brain damage is so rough, but watching him trying to remember and getting bits and pieces and then like not knowing what those mean made me feel like a helpless bystander. Yeah. The way that Jake feels in this time, like he is a bystander, and when Mike and Bobby Jill come visit him and he says, Mike Coleslaw. And Mike cries just because it's so like clear he's brain damaged. That broke my heart. I was also amazed, but I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. Just the way Sadie and Deke care for him. Mm -hmm. And it's really sweet to see her standing by his side the way that he did for her. Because he gets, he starts to recover and then he gets an infection. He gets really sick. He has a lot of really bad moments just like her. What I love about this as we're wrapping up this section with him in the hospital is this is the section that gave me the moment that I, I mentioned it earlier that I kind of had to eat shit. Cause I forgot about what the book did. And it was about, I, I always have those moments. Like we talked about Ben getting bored with someone of the, the day to day. Yeah. Um, just like watching Lee stuff. And it's the moment just before, uh, just after the fight, after they uh, fuck it out and they talk about like, they, saw the look in his eyes and he starts thinking about that look in Lee's eyes. And then he thinks about the moment in the bathtub. He thinks about all this and turns, takes all these little things we watched and brings them all together as a fully 3d person. And then likens that to himself. Like really humanizes that. And then here is kind of the culmination of all of the butterfly effects and Jody that he's Mm. responsible for all mm-hmm. domino to circle back and take care of him. And I think that's super neat. It is really cool. It's a good way to put it. Jake dreams that Al tells him who the yellow card man is. He is the personification of the obdurate past. And even though he's dead, he's the reason Jake can't remember because the past is keeping his memories from him. And he has to find Al's notebook. And he finally does. Eventually, he gets a strange clue. Like this is he's out now of the hospital that ends up jogging his memory. It is. Uh, it's the uh, Church of the Almighty God, or what? Or the Word of the Almighty God yeah. is on this sign, and they drive past it, and some of the some letters, of the letters have, fallen. have fallen off, <laughs> and it says the Word of Al, and then stuff it's... is dropped off, and he's like, Al, Al, words, Al. <laughs> if only I could find Alan words, we'll have solved this whole case. That's the name of the assassin. <laughs> 
but he does eventually remember that it is in a safe deposit box. It's he doesn't so know dumb. where, but it's, he's not going to tell Sadie. It's it, I did not like this bit of writing. Just the the ha- getting the it, it's so sixties Batman <laughs> trying to solve a Riddler riddle. Yeah, he's like, oh, Al word. Yeah, exactly. And then it, he remembers about the safe because he's I like, I know it's somewhere safe, safe. That reminds me, the first bank of Gotham. It's like <laughs> kind kind of lazy writing, but fine, whatever. Oh, can't wait to find out how it all ends next time. Because that's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode where we will be finishing the book. For Benjamin Graham and Sam Alexander, I'm Joshua Kahn reminding you, we never know which lives we influence or when. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to 112263 Part 4. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know your thoughts on Facebook and Instagram at Dairy Public Radio or X at Dairy Public. You can also send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our Etsy store for cool merchandise and our Patreon for bonus episodes at the $5 and up tier and other tiered perks. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.